Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And I just want to start the programme by wishing the very best of luck to the editor of the Southern Star, Con Downing, who is retiring this week. His first article was published back in 1975. Then in 1978, he took up writing an entertainment column for the Southern Star before becoming a full-time staff member in 1990. And then, of course, it was in 2009, 12 years ago, that he became the editor of the paper. His dedication and his professionalism played no small role in ensuring that the Southern Star is a West Cork institution and it continues to be an integral part of life. And God, for so many, the week just isn't complete without a read through of the Southern Star. And certainly in our dealings with Con on this programme, he's always been so friendly and so helpful. And I know Con will say the Southern Star is very much a team effort, but every team needs a leader and uh, Con Downing has been a great one so best of luck to uh, Con may your retirement be a long and a happy one and that's from all of us here at uh, C103 and also while I'll stay on requests I've had a lovely email in to wish a a very special mother Margaret O'Keefe a very happy birthday today Margaret I'm told is going to celebrate it in cocoon style with dad who is Danjo and that will be a home in Rathcool and unfortunately due to the pandemic this is coming in from Anne Anne says my brothers my sister and I were unable to go home and celebrate with them our mam is the most wonderful person she's so thoughtful caring and loving to not just her husband her children and her four grandchildren but to her many friends and neighbours she would simply do anything for you so the message to Margaret O'Keefe is we love you ma'am from all the gang in Mallow Lacadota Crouch End and Smithfield. Mam and Dad love to have a boogie in the kitchen. So if you could play something by Joe Dolan, it would be great to get the party started. Unfortunately, I don't have Joe Dolan lined up, but I suggest um, if you maybe email into Eric this evening, you might be able to play a little bit of Joe Dolan. But happy birthday, Margaret O'Keefe in Rathcool. And we hope you have a lovely, lovely special day. Now, a lot of people are already starting to contact us. By the way, texts and WhatsApps are available at 086 to uh, 103 103. But we're already starting to get in uh, a lot of uh, commentary 
and people not happy that the level five restrictions may be remaining in place until May. This is under the new plans for living with COVID, which are currently being discussed by the government. The Cabinet Committee on COVID-19 have agreed to begin a phased reopening of schools. Now, that certainly is going to be welcomed by a number of people. It's going to start on the 1st of March. This was after Neffet advised students can begin returning to classes, but they're going to be returning on a very, very slow, slow uh, pace. All other decisions on restrictions have been postponed until the next meeting of the Cabinet Committee on COVID and that's going to take place next Monday. A cautious cautious approach to reopening the country is expected over the coming months and that of course will run in tandem with the National Vaccination Programme and that will be continuing. A small amount of construction may be permitted next month but most restrictions it seems are going to remain in place until at least the end of April or the start of May. So there will be an announcement made next uh, week and then they will review again but the next review is not going to take place until early April. The Taoiseach Micheál Martin and his cabinet ministers were briefed by Neffet and the HSC. The warnings from Neffet were described as stark after uh, the meeting. So a phased reopen of primary and secondary schools, that was the main topic that was up for discussion by the committee under a proposed plan. Junior and senior infants, and we speculated about this yesterday on the programme, junior and senior infants along with first and second class and leaving cert students, they would be the first to return to the classes and that will be first week in March, so on and around the 1st of March. Other national school classes will return then in the latter half of March under the plan uh, which as I say we'll get further discussion next Monday. The proposed plan is going to be dependent on the spread of the virus and the teacher union support will also see fifth year students return to class and that possibly will be around mid-March. Every step of the opening of the schools will be reviewed to assess the impact on the spread of the virus within the uh, community. But already I can see people on social media talking about the schools going back you know not going back until say the middle of March some of the class not going back to the middle or the end of March and that's going to lead right into the start of the Easter holidays so some of the students might only be back for a day or two and suddenly they'll be off for two weeks at Easter there's a little bit of a campaign starting by some groups that maybe we should look at the Easter holidays and maybe push them off or maybe cancel the Easter holidays or shorten the Easter holidays and not allow the schools to close for a further two weeks but all of that is going to have to be discussed. Also I think what is clearly going to have to be discussed is the gathering of people outside of schools. I mean the one big worry from Neffet when if we have all of the schools opened if they decided that every single school primary and secondary was going to open they reckon between teachers SNA admin staff, support staff in school, parents and students. It's a million people are on the move in the morning and again in the afternoons. And there's constantly a problem with people congregating outside of schools. And I know that that's for the younger age groups. So I will watch with keen interest when they allow the 
junior infants and the senior infants, when they allow them back in, they are predominantly the parents that do gather in groups outside the school. I'm wondering what they're going to do about that and how they're going to get through to the parents that if they are gathering outside the schools that they have to spread out as best they can in the two metres. And I wonder, will they insist on the wearing of masks, uh, for example? Because certainly I know we would have got commentary in from a number of our listeners about schools and about this congregating outside of the school gates. Not so much in the mornings, but certainly in the afternoons, if you pass any school coming up to the the school bell about to go, there'll always be a big gang of parents and many are saying they're on top of each other, they're not wearing masks, everybody's very close and, and of course I think because people we, we're not getting to meet as many people as often as we do any opportunity for the chat and the bants, I think that that's what happens as well so no doubt that's going to be looked at but people certainly starting to get some commentary and your thoughts uh, welcomed. Some people not happy about this news that it is looking like level five restrictions will remain in place until the start of May. Is it the right move? Is it the wrong move? What part of the restrictions would you most like to uh, see lifted? And already a text in saying, Patricia, if the government are planning to extend the lockdown until the start of May, then they need to enforce the rules more strictly. During phase five back in March last year, on the very first lockdown there was very few cars and very few people out and about you can't say the same thing is happening on this level 5 lockdown so many selfish people are flaunting the guidelines and punishing the majority of us who have complied with every single suggestion and restriction throughout the entire pandemic if it's not working then it needs to be fixed can anyone please Can everyone please try to reduce their movement over the next few weeks to help us all to rid us once this virus once and for all if we could get everybody singing from the same same hymn same hymn sheet and I think that com that particular text sums up what a lot of people feel those that have been abiding by all of the rules and the regulations and doing everything in the hope that they will flatten the curve and then the restrictions will be lifted and life can get back to some kind of a normality I think people get very frustrated when they feel they're doing their bit and others are not. And because a minority are not doing their bit, the rest of us are being affected by it. And there's a, there's a real palpable sense of that. So thank you. There's no name on that text, but thank you for that WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And of course, in Northern Ireland, uh, the public there have been warned against making any kind of plans for uh, Easter. That's after it was announced this week, the Northern Ireland's lockdown. That's remaining in place for another uh, six weeks. And last night, the Northern Ireland executive, they announced details of a number of relaxations to their lockdown, which will start on the 8th of March. But the majority majority of their measures are remaining in place until at least the 1st of April. Some of their relaxation is to do around children going back into uh, school, the the preschoolers, the nursery, the primary uh, children are going to go uh, back. But they're already starting to speculate that when they go back that their R number will will increase. But I think Northern Ireland are doing it in a kind of a strange way. They're going to allow the smallies to go 
back a little bit like what is expected our government are going to announce on Monday but then they're going to put them, revert them back into remote learning around the 22nd of March and they're going to bring the older students back in and let them stay in school until the Easter holidays and I think some parents in Northern Ireland are not seeing the logic in that of allowing the children in for a couple of weeks and then putting them back into remote learning again. It doesn't look like that's what our government are going to do. Our government are going to reopen the schools and I think parents will say if you're reopening the schools then make sure that they stay open and that's going to be the important one. 1850 Your thoughts welcomed. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm on my way. Needing a friend, and the way I feel now, I guess I'll be with you till the end. Guess I'm on my way. Mighty glad you stayed. Stuck on you Been a fool too long I guess it's time for me to come on home Guess I'm on my way So hard to see That a woman like you Could wait around for a man like me Guess I'm on my way Mighty glad you stayed
That's Lionel Richie, the gorgeous Lionel Richie and stuck on you. Okay, some of your texts flooding into us. Hi, Patricia. Uh, Everyone is talking about this year's Leaving Certificate class, the class of 2021. But let us not forget about the Leaving Cert class of 2020. A lot of those students are at home since March of last year. It's going on 12 months now. What about their mental health? They've missed their first year college experience. I hope Simon Harris will prioritise them over this year's Leaving Certificate students and make sure that they will attend college in person in September of 2021. Give them the break that they truly deserve. And that's from a mother of one of those students. Yeah, And you, thank you for that. You're right to highlight that. They have been completely forgotten about. We got over the leaving cert of 2020. They got their college places and everyone forgets that their college places is inside in their bedroom on Zoom. And that's uh, very difficult for them as well. Thank you for that. John in from Moise this morning, Patricia. Two months of lockdown nearly up. The 5K rule should be gone. If I hear one more word about be safe and make make more of an effort, I'll go to Dublin and I'll wreck it all. We're all doing our bit and depression is kicking in. So cop on. Vaccines are great, yes, but God... Don't be making a big deal about them unless they start flooding in. 2021 is rolled off, says John Infermore. They are starting to come, though. We're hearing now that we'll have a million a month for April, May and June. And if a million vaccines a month arrive for April, May and June, John, that means the entire adult population should be covered by the summer. And that certainly will hang on to that little bit of good news. Hi, Patricia. Hope you're keeping well. Thank you for that. Uh, will the barbers open in April? What about First Holy Communion? Is it that? cancelled for this year. We're going to be talking with the Bishop so he'll let us know about the First Holy Communion. No idea when barbers are going to reopen. Someone else says, when can one household meet another household outside? Is that not going to be for another while? You can meet up with one other person and go for a walk. I know they're not encouraging households to meet up but certainly if you wanted to meet up with a friend and go out for a walk, please uh, do that. Martin in from says, Patricia, it's no wonder the restrictions are going on longer. There is a walkway in from It's up the Cork Road and my friends went there yesterday to have a little bit of a stroll. They didn't even get out of the car because there was a whole pile of people there walking and no one had masks on. And yes, Patricia, my friends were within their 5k limit. It'll be a long time before it is safe, Patricia. Cop on, folks. We're all in this together, so please start doing the right thing. Margaret said, I agree with that texture. If we all abided by the rules uh, as the elderly are doing, we might see some kind of normality before the summer ends. Please, I beg beg of you all. I am so worn out from this lockdown. Thanks Patricia for keeping us all uh, going. Thank you. Thanks Margaret. Ah, yeah. Hang in there folks. Uh, hi. Um, this is Elaine in Dumanway. If they had vaccinated the workers first, i.e. the younger generation, lockdown would be ending and the economy could rebuild itself. Vaccinating the older people first, I feel, was the worst idea. Outbreaks in nursing homes are still rising. Sorry, were they not vaccinated first? This country has got it wrong in a big way. Another year down the drain already, it is is uh, laughable. And Noel says, have the government learned anything about this virus? If schools reopen only for a few days, watch cases, they will increase again. It's the amount of people meeting. We'll be back where we started. It is crazy. Most of us are doing all that we can. Thanking you. And that's from Noel. And that's just a sample of some of your texts coming into the programme. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. We have been getting calls this week from listeners who are still having problems getting refunds on flights that were cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. To offer words of advice, Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association of Ireland uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Dermot. Morning, how are you doing? Uh, I'm very well and you're welcome uh, to the programme. Now, for people who booked directly with an airline, I'm right in saying that they've nearly all had their refunds by now, haven't they? Yes, pretty much. Um, uh, As best I understand it, uh, yes, very much so. And if not, um, get in touch with them again because it's, it's, it's decidedly easier now than it was some months ago. But um, and if you have a major problem with it, um, the one other body that are dealing with specifically with Ryanair, if it's any help, is um, the European Consumer Centre, and um, that's eccireland.ie. For people who opted for a voucher last week, last year, in lieu of a refund, can they change their minds and say, "I'll want my money back instead"? It it very much depends on the the, the situation of whether the flight was cancelled. Um, if it was, then you were always entitled to a refund. But if it was just that, the, the if it's not the case that the flight was cancelled, if it took off and you, if you like, didn't go or couldn't go, then it depends on one those two issues of how the voucher was, was given to you. But predominantly, certainly the point that was made was that if you don't use it in a nine-month period of time, this was from Ryanair, that you could um, get in touch with them. And even Michael O'Leary said it not that many weeks ago, um, get in touch with us and uh, we'll refund. And he actually specified within four days, which is saying a lot. Yeah, he annoyed a lot of people a few weeks ago, Dermot, when he was on, particularly travel agents. Can you just explain to us what's going on there? Travel agents seem to be out of pocket with Ryanair. Yes, he... Travel agents have said, look, we we know that people... We've we've booked flights through Ryanair as part of the package. Um, And the difficulty we're having is... We're, we're, we're keen to refund our customers, but we don't have the money and we can't get the money from Ryanair. And Ryanair, um, as you say, um, Michael O'Leary annoyed very, very much the, the, that sector of the industry by saying we don't owe any money to any um, travel agents and we don't sell um, flights to travel agents. People buy our flights and we, we have refunded and will refund them. So, there's a debate and a dispute going on between the two of them. In the meantime, the customer, the consumer, um, you and I who bought packages, um, are whilst we are fully entitled to a refund, are not getting it. Um, and I understand the dilemma that the travel agents have. I really do, if, if they're, because we, we don't know the specifics of details of how much they pay for the flight. Um, all we know is that the flight as a consumer, was part of our package and we should have been refunded quite some time ago um, if it was cancelled or didn't take off. Um, and and that, that it's not being resolved properly um, and to suggest that we don't sell flights to travel agents is rubbish. Yeah. Of course they do. Um, they're allowed to buy them. They do buy them. They sell them as a part of the package. It's what keeps the travel the, the, the airline going as much as you and I buying our in our direct flights. So it, there should not have been a problem, and there still should not. And what I don't understand is this grey area between the two of them, where one says, "Well, we didn't sell you anything," and the other saying, "Of course you did." Um, that's doing nothing to resolve it. So there needs to be a good degree of transparency in the background of, okay, how many flights? 
to where, when were they purchased, and okay, why why have you not got your refund? That's the kind of specific we're hearing, as opposed to anecdotal, well, we're owed four million. That means nothing. And travel agents use their own credit cards. I mean, I heard of one travel agent up the country. He was involved with booking school tours. And he'd, I think it was €16,000 worth of flights he'd purchased with Ryanair on his own personal credit card, which has been paid for. So that money is gone out of his account. It's, uh, it's very understandable. And that, mo- that obviously travel agent has no money coming in at the moment. He can't possibly refund that money to anybody until Ryanair gave it back to him. That's exactly it. And I mean, it really, uh, what I'm a little bit surprised about is that nobody has taken a case, um, a specific case. And I can't believe as well that there has been nothing coming forward from the, the, um, from the regulator in this area, which is, 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 um, who, who has, uh, well, I'm not saying they've been silent, but again, as I'm saying, we're not hearing what's going on in the background because it is completely illogical that this, situation exists. There's no basis for it to exist. If, if the flights were cancelled, they should have been refunded. Um, and I, I don't understand it. And that's why I don't understand why there's not been legal action. Because it's the first thing you would normally do is say, right, I'm going to sort this out um, and we'll get it done very quickly. So uh, there's something missing in the story we're all hearing. And I don't understand what it is. Trivia. I really don't. Yeah, because Mary Amala, one of our listeners, uh, contacted us and she said she had booked a holiday. It was meant to be May of last year. The travel agent has refunded the hotel, the cost of the hotel, has refunded the cost of the transfers, but she's stuck because it's Ryanair flights. She can't get the price of the flights back. Yeah, and you see, from from my point of view, um, and whilst I I freely admit I understand the difficulty that money is due to have been refunded on day one with the remainder of the other costs. I know that they were probably refunded directly and that there's a problem with Ryanair, but according to Ryanair, there's no problem. So from the point of view of the information that you and I have, all I can advise the consumer is you you, you don't have a contract with Ryanair. You didn't buy the ticket. The person to whom you gave your money and with whom you have a contract is the travel agent. And... He's clearly, I mean, if I went into court tomorrow, I'd say this travel agent is not doing his or her job because they haven't defunded the consumer. And then they'd have to say, well, we did go to Ryanair, um, but Ryanair said we don't, they don't owe us money. Well, then, what, 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 who books the flight? I mean, if the travel agent books the flight, so I don't understand what the problem is. Yeah, I really yeah. don't. And then we had another interesting one in by email from one of our, our listeners who had booked a flight with one of the booking uh, agencies online, um, lastminute.com, and it was flights with Aer Lingus. And when she got on to Aer Lingus, they said that they can't refund the money to her because the booking came through lastminute.com. But Aer Lingus told her that they have reimbursed lastminute.com, but she still hasn't got her money back. Yes, you see, and that's where she most certainly needs to get in touch with the European Consumer Centre, who solely are responsible for managing cross-border um, complaints. And this is a, a cross-border complaint. It was bought off a site. They've had the refund. There's, there's com- confirmation that the refund was made, and they haven't given it to the consumer. That, that breaches quite a number of consumer provisions, and they will follow it through, and at no cost to the to consumer. So get in touch with eccr.ie. 
Okay, and then just while we have you, I suppose the breaking news story this morning is is Ulster Bank pulling out of the Irish uh, market. Uh, a listener has a mortgage with Ulster Bank and it's a tracker uh, mortgage and is worried about what will happen to that mortgage. Okay, well, and, and I can appreciate that. The key element of that and to understand, and uh, interestingly, the Minister for Finance was on this morning trying to clarify this. You have rights and protections um, in Ireland and under EU law. So whatever was to happen, that mortgage within, if it's if it's if it's transferred across to AIB or some other bank operating within the EU, the the the, the, the protections are that whatever you have, it must travel to with that account to whoever purchases it. Um, so I wouldn't worry for now. And there's going to be a lot of debate and discussion around this. And um, there's going to be a lot of investigation by the Competition Authority before they allow anybody to buy the loan. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I won't say I'd sit back, but I would hold back for the time being because the important element of it is, is if you try to move now, you will potentially lose your tracker mortgage. But if it's sold as part of a sale of the bank, it'll be completely protected. So that's the key. Hang back and wait to see what happens. You've nothing to lose at the moment. That's literally nothing to lose. Um, so don't panic and let's see and watch what's happening. Okay, can you just can we just go to the phone lines? Eileen in Mallow, this is on travel. Um, good morning, Eileen. Good morning, Patricia. You're having problems getting money back. What's your story? Oh, I booked a holiday last, last February and Ryanair cancelled the flights in May. So um, I still haven't got my €1,400 back. And did you book directly with Ryanair or with a travel agent? Uh, with the travel agency.ie in Cork. And they have been most helpful, the travel agency. They've been emailing them. They actually said that I got my cheque back and I cashed it, but there's no way I got it back. And actually, they sent a letter to the travel agency the other day and they were talking about taking legal action against them. But I sent them a really strong-worded letter on Wednesday and I got a letter back or an email yesterday saying that... um, Oh, that did refund my money, but I'm still waiting. Okay. Oh, and they said it was the travel agency they were taking legal action against, that they're not supposed to be booking flights. You know. OK, let Dermot come in on that. That seems to be the mantra from Ryanair, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it certainly does. Um, I think mean, the best I can recommend to you is that if you don't have your full refund, and I mean, the, the full refund should be given to you by the travel agency. It's that simple. Um, you shouldn't have to be dealing with Ryanair in any circumstances. But I would only deal with the travel agency and tell them you were speaking to ourselves and that, look, we, we, we acknowledge there's a difficulty, but if you don't have your 14 euro in the next week, you have no choice, but you're going to take the case to the small claims court because it's below the 2,000 euro threshold and when you will get your money back. The aviation crowd are involved as well. Um, the travel agency, you know, I sent all my details to them. Liz Sing- Singleton was her name. 
and she's working on it as well. Okay. And okay. it's a lot of money, thousand euros. And where were you going on holidays, Eileen? Uh, we were going to Saloon. All right. You'll get there again. You'll get there again. All right. Listen, yeah. thank you. Thank you for that, um, Eileen. And Dermot, listen, thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, no doubt we will speak again. Thanks for joining Good us today. Sir. Take care. Good morning bye-bye. to you. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Dermot Jewell of the Consumers Association of Ireland. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, yesterday we had a listener wondering would First Holy Communion ceremonies be going ahead this year? Well, the Bishop of Cloyne is advising parents to defer the purchase of outfits for First Holy Communion and confirmation ceremonies. And Bishop William Crane, I'm delighted to say, takes time out uh, to explain more and to join me on the programme. Good morning to you, Bishop Crane. Good morning. And you, you're, you're very welcome. Thank you very much and good morning to your listeners. Now, you're not saying that these ceremonies won't be held this year, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. No. So what's your advice? Really, uh, at uh, just towards the end of January, I would have written to all of the priests uh, in the light of our information at that time and to all the principals of our national schools, simply to say that given the situation at that time, that we could not envisage the uh, celebration of First Communion and Confirmation until much later in the year. So what I, was, what I suggested uh, at that time was that we, they would be deferred at least until May uh, and possibly June at the earliest, given the circumstances then and I in the light of the recent communications I think that is the current situation as well Because also the schools have been closed since uh, Christmas and it does take a lot of time to prepare children for the sacraments Sure and that's the other side and I was I that included in my note that uh, you know the best preparation well first of all that it's necessary to prepare uh, for the sacraments and obviously parents will do that with their children in the context of their own uh, home context Uh, but you know the school preparation is really very difficult other than uh, unless it's face to face Mm, mm. so what I was uh, anticipating, and hopefully it will be possible, that when we return to the classroom, that some significant time will be available for that kind of face-to-face kind of preparation and encounter for the children with their teachers and with the whole, uh, you know, the whole dynamic that goes around the preparation for the sacraments. And when and if confirmations are held this year, will you be conducting the ceremonies yourself? Uh, It's unlikely. I may uh, be conducting some, but most of them, as we did in 2020. Uh, Now, I did uh, the maybe a third of the confirmations just before lockdown, which was, I think, just before Patrick's Day. That was it. Yeah, and when we resumed then, Uh, which is not an uncommon practice, if it's not possible for the bishop uh, that I can delegate that uh, duty and responsibility to the parish priest or the priest of the parish. And really, uh, it comes down to the fact that given the 
the reality that we could not gather young people in numbers or their families. Uh, so the the structure of the ceremonies had to take on an entirely different shape with smaller numbers, which reduced family uh, and all of that. And given, even though we're very hopeful, uh, given, you know, the vaccination program and all of that, that we'll be in a better position in, say, June yeah. to yeah. do that. Uh, I I still feel that, you know, the normal character of the confirmation ceremonies that we had in the past will still not be possible. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, just the logistics of preparing for it uh, well is best done, you know, with the individual priest in the parish, with the school community, uh, with the parents. And I can say, and the feedback both from parents and priests uh, in our experience last year, even though we had to use our imagination and creativity in a new way, they were just really lovely celebrations. Uh, because they were smaller, more intimate. Yeah, we had a number of families contact us to say the same thing. They were saying, you know what, they were disappointed that they couldn't have the big, the yeah. bigger event that they normally have. But a lot of people spoke, spoke about that the intimate nature of it made it a lot more spiritual and a lot more special. Yeah. 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 Which, which really was, um, uh, you know, maybe was teaching us something yeah, about yeah. Uh, how we should go about it. Maybe f- when we open up again, uh, that we, we should be attentive to that experience as something that we should, uh, is that's very precious mm. and that we should try to replicate that. So your advice to parents on the outfits is a practical one because children grow so fast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I you, Patricia, that comes out of a very specific letter that I got from a parent uh, saying that with the proposal that a particular priest was making around, I presume it was First Communion, that was saying that in nine weeks' time there is no way they'll fit into this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we know the way children grow. We know the way they grow. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, it is. So really, it's only a counsel of prudence and that until such time as we can give an indication or a priest in the parish can give an indication as to, you know, reasonably when the ceremony is likely to take place, uh, you know, the, hold off. just to hold off. Okay, a listener says, well, you have the bishop on, could you please ask him what's the story with baptisms? Are baptisms going ahead? Uh, look, uh, they're not specifically mentioned in the regulations, but given the extraordinary sensitivities around baptism, you're talking about a newborn baby or even if the child is several months old, uh, for some people are happy to defer the baptism for a little while until later. But for some families, there's a great desire to have the baptism uh, relatively soon. And really, I it is in the pastoral prudence of the individual priest, respecting the you know the regulations to ensure that the number is as small as possible, 
that you uh, absolutely ensure that there are no risks placed on anybody. So the, the number recommended would be no more than, say, six. So what is absolutely necessary, the parents, the sponsors, uh, the priest and the, the little baby. And that's literally all. The, if, you, if you had, you're lucky enough to have uh, four grandparents, they won't be allowed in either. No, you'd have well, to keep the numbers that low, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, uh, well, you see, the real, the real fear around baptism and all the other sacraments is the natural urgency that people have to gather afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, there is no question that uh, some, uh, the, uh, you know, the COVID-19 did get some traction during those post-sacramental celebrations. Mm. And uh, so we really want to be ultra careful to ensure that, you know, that that doesn't occur. Okay. And did you take great um, hope and comfort from seeing so many people going in to collect the ashes on Ash Wednesday? Absolutely. Oh, is it great? It is, yeah. You know, it's just a powerful reminder to us that, you know, the spiritual dimension of our lives is alive and well through all of this difficulty and maybe in some ways is even more uh, accentuated for some people that, uh, you know, this dimension of our of ourselves, of our inner selves, is finds lovely expressions in these ritual practices that we have around Lent. And of course, the ashes are such a powerful symbol uh, for us that uh, they wo- it works on all kinds of levels, put it that way. But it was very encouraging to... Uh, to see so many people connect. All right, it's been a tough time for everybody. How are you doing yourself, uh, Bishop Crane? Uh, Good, uh, Patricia. In the sense, look, I'm like most people, I'm doing the needful. I'm using whatever technology that we can use. Uh, I've just had a a Zoom meeting with my colleagues in in Munster in the Cashel province. We tend to do so frequently. Uh, the same way I have uh, two meetings later on, uh, both Zoom meetings I had in my capacity as uh, chair of Trocra. I had a board meeting of Trocra for three and a half hours yesterday oh. morning. Uh, but look, the work goes on. Yeah. People are great at bridging the gaps. And uh, so, look, we, we, despite all the restrictions and the challenges, uh, you know, there are uh, there are lots of opportunities as well. To, good, good. To Listen, stay safe and we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us and we'll talk again soon. Yes, and thanks, Patricia. No, our pleasure. Thanks yeah, a million. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. That is the Bishop of Cloyne, uh, Bishop William Crane. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your course. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Now, the mother and primary carer of a teenager with a debilitating skin condition has pleaded for informal family carers to be included in the government's COVID-19 vaccine priority list. Liz Collins is a parent ambassador and a board member of Deborah Ireland. And Liz joins me to explain more. Good morning to you, Liz. Good morning. And thank you for taking time out to talk to us. Now, Deborah, Deborah Ireland is the support group for people with EB and their families. I suppose, can you start by just explaining a little bit about the condition? Um, so, yeah, my daughter's name is Claudia, 17, um, and she has a condition called EB, which stands for epidermolysis bullosa. So basically, we all have our three layers of skin, your collagen, your dermis and your epidermis. And unfortunately, um my daughter was born with no collagen, so nothing to knit the two layers of skin together. So literally the skin just shears off at the slightest touch. Very pain, very, very painful condition. Mm. And as her primary carer, uh, Liz, how much care does Claudia require every day? Um, so she requires daily dressings every day. That's my responsibility. And then she has three full dressing changes per week, which takes three and a half hours which is done by professional nurses, professional EB nurses. Um, and besides that, again, like this is a, a young girl who can't dress herself, who wouldn't be able to prepare a meal, wouldn't be able to make a cup of tea for herself, wouldn't be able to put the toothpaste on her own toothbrush. So basically, I'm her right-hand woman. That's full-time care. Yeah. And you were diagnosed with COVID during the first lockdown. I was, indeed. Coming up to the anniversary this March. So, yeah, I... Yeah, I got a fairly bad dose and um, I got pneumonia with that again. And again, I just kind of feel as a carer, you kind of think you're invincible and you don't think that it's it's going to be you. You're so compa- you're so concerned about your patient. Unfortunately, I did. And I was lying in the bed and I just was, I couldn't physically move. And I just was like, how, how are we going to manage this, you know? And then my husband was diagnosed and we overlapped during a period of time. And we just had to manage again as a carer. You just always have to manage with the support. They're not there. You know, it's just, you're like living this life behind closed doors in your own life. And, you know, people go, oh, God, that's very sad. Oh, you know, God, that's really hard. You know, but I just feel this time around through all of this, like, please, please let the government just be aware of how tough it is for carers, this private, secluded hell that we live in sometimes. And that's how tough it is. You're living life for two people. I want to keep my daughter safe. You know, I really, really feel that carers deserve this vaccine. Absolutely, absolutely. And you and Claudia escaped without contracting COVID? She did. Like, Thank that was God. a miracle in itself, you know. And I know, again, Claudia's not listed for an early vaccine either. But I just don't understand. Like, Claudia was hospitalised at Christmas for infections that we couldn't get on top of. So, like, if you had wide open wounds all over your body... Like, obviously, and her immune system is lower than yours or, or mine. You know, she is just a little bit more susceptible to it. But I was just terrified that she was going to care. I don't believe that she would fight, fight it the same way that I was able to. And did you, did I read that you ended up in hospital? Um, I did, yeah. I had to go get a bit of oxygen and uh, I had, yeah, it was the pneumonia more so that kind of got me. You know, I, I just, I couldn't breathe. And again, it was like, I'm not ringing an ambulance, I'm not ringing, I'm not going, I'm not going, who's going to care for her, how are we going to manage, how are we going to manage. Like, that's what I mean, carers don't even have permission to be sick. I know. 
And it's and, like you don't and have was to get additional, up every single day. Was it, did it, was additional carers then brought in to look after Claudia? How did um, no, my husband would have took up kind of my part of it. But again, I have a 17-year-old daughter who doesn't want her dad handling her anymore. And that's, you know, she's, she's entitled to that. She's entitled to her privacy. But like, I, I just, sometimes we just don't have a choice. You know, when, when a sick child, especially a female, reaches a particular age, I lost my right-hand man. You know, I, I lost her dad in regards to... Like, obviously, he helps with everything else to the best of his ability. But in regards to her care... Her the personal care. Her finish, yeah. That's gone. So I don't have that anymore. But there isn't any... In, there ha- hasn't been anything put in place to match that. It's like I'm on my... I'm completely on my own now. And the carers who do come in to help out and, mm. and you, the professional nurses uh, mm. that, that you talk about, have they been vaccinated? Um, this week, would you believe they got their first dose? And again, I've been asking and asking, like, is there any sign? Is there any sign? Because I have to shout out to those. They have been absolutely incredible. Like to think that they knew they were coming into a home where COVID was present, and yet, okay, Claudia didn't have it, and that was okay. Um, but they, they really, really like uh, like the sacrifices that they made for us. They are absolutely incredible well on done. another yeah. level. Yeah, because they could have said, particularly when they weren't vaccinated, they could have said we, we're going to expose ourselves by going into a house with COVID. Yeah. 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 But they didn't. But they, but they, but, but, but the point I uh, was getting at, they're going to be vaccinated as mm-hmm. people working with your, your daughter. But yeah. you were doing all of the, the primary care and you're not on any list to be vaccinated. No, they're present for nine hours a week three hours, three days a week and I'm here then the rest of the time. Like, and I, I have to go out to the shops. You know, I, I have to I have to engage in society. That's unfortunate. I take all precautions and do what I'm supposed to do and all of that. I just feel a little bit let down. You know, as I said, like, the, you're physically, emotionally drained regardless of COVID. Like, COVID hasn't caused, it's just an added strain on top of strain. And, you know, I'm just I'm just asking for the government just to, for once just to take us into consideration. You can imagine when my daughter was born 17 years ago, like I had a career. I had a very, very full life and all of that. And don't like I'm not throwing bouquets at myself and I'm not a martyr. You do what you have to do as a mother. I gave up a hell of a lot, but I live a life for two people physically, emotionally, trying to get her to every single milestone. You know, I've been a massive advocate for her life and to make sure that, you know, everything that everything is good for her. I've lost a massive part of myself in that. I've, you know, I've struggled with anxiety. I've had times that I've been depressed and all of that. But you get up every day and you put your feet to the floor. And you say, look, you got to do this. You have to do this and you have to be strong. But the only guy I'm as weak as the next person. You know, I'm a human being. I deserve something here. You know, just to keep her safe and to keep me safe again. And it's not much. It's not much you're asking no, for. No. And Liz, how is Claudia getting on through lockdown? I mean, is she receiving any schooling? Um, she does her Zoom calls. And again, she would have a full-time SMA in school. So I kind of liaised with the school again that, you know, you can't have a child who would normally have a, a, a full-time SMA in school kind of home working alone and not kind of getting that support so again we have a good plan set up with the school 
she goes to St. Louis and Rathmines and they've been really, really supportive in regards to that. In regards to COVID, unfortunately, she lives a very lonely life anyway, quite an isolated life anyway. So that part hasn't been impacted. The only thing she's missing mainly is the shops. She loves to know about her shopping. Yeah, who, who, does, who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. And 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 what 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 else what what else does she enjoy? What's what's what are her passions? Makeup, yeah, fashion. Yeah, she's a very arty type of person. She's an incredible, incredible young girl, extremely brave. Um, you know, these years, teenage years, they're hard. They're tough for anyone without a disability, and throw a disability into the mix, throw COVID on top of that, but you know, we we'll, we we'll get there. As I said, she's hit every milestone so well far. Done incredibly proud of her like you know she's just a great girl but she's a typical 17 year old girly girly likes her as you say likes her style and her makeup oh my god yeah don't like she doesn't see those bandages like Claudia's wrapped in bandages from head to toe but she doesn't see you know she's like she's beautiful in her own right and she's as cool as the next kid and you know she just keeps life as normal as possible and I think that's the way we have reared her. Yeah, I think that's got a lot to do with it. It's who's behind her, it's you and, and, and Dad who's, who's behind yeah. her. Yeah. And and I'm very conscious because I'm watching the clock because I know yeah. half you've half 11 is when today is the day for the change of the bandages. Um, today is today, Friday. Yeah. Um, it'll be here about 12. So and well and it takes three hours. Yeah, sometimes three and a half hours. So that would be to take them off, all the bandages, to get her up take her off her feed, take bed at night time, give her some pain medication to take the edge off what she's going to go through, then including the bath, washing her hair, um, and then cutting all the dressings out and then reapplying them. So you could imagine a mummy from the neck down, that's what she resembles. And cutting the bandages off, Liz, I mean, are they, are they stuck? No, the specific, um, so we would use dressings that would be kind of used for someone who was in a fire, maybe. So everything is kind of non-stick. So you'd have like primary dressings and dressings on top of that. Like every area has a different dressing that goes to it. And if they had an infection, you'd apply a different dressing. It's actually a pure skill. And again, when you go back to that as a parent, when Claudia was discharged from hospital 17 years ago, I went home alone with no support. And I battled the HSC for four and a half years for any type of support. And eventually I got six hours, which then went up to nine hours. And when I look at it now, there's actually professionals doing this job. Like I wasn't a professional. I'm someone's mother. So I spend my life on someone's wife, someone's mother, somebody's nurse and a full-time carer. And during when I have a job as well, I work the 15 hours outside the home as well. Life is manic. You know, we're on the clock 24-7. And that's what I said. It's behind closed doors. Yeah. People are not aware of what we live in. You know, I live by the clock. And at times I've just felt extremely just burnt out and just totally wrecked. But you have to put your game face on every single day to get through this for your child. And, you know, um, we've a lot of people today complaining because, you know, we are hearing from the government that lockdown is, is going to be in place until at least the the start of, of May. Even if we, if we if it is to the start of May and we come out of lockdown, that it makes no difference to you, Liz, does it? Does, does well, easing it of restrictions? No. Like I've had it once, but I have no, I'm not immune to it. So I can get it again. You know, Claudia's dad can get it again. Claudia's dad is a builder, you know, like 
what we meant to do, how are we financially supposed to be supported through all of this as well. Like, it's just the whole, you know, there's carers allowance there or whatever else that's means tested for, you know, they allow you 15 hours outside the home, but that's means tested. I mean, we're always, I just feel carers are always, always just, that we just have the lower hand on this, you know. It's just a really, really tough station for anyone to have. You know, you do it out of a place of love and you do it out of a place for your, for your child. Like, oh, come on, just someone give us a break for once. Nobody asked to be put into that position. Not at all. Like, I was the same as any other woman out there, young lady, just who got married, planning our whole future together, planned the baby, didn't know what was going to happen. It happened. We've made massive sacrifices. Our whole life is geared towards our daughter. Where we live, where we go on holidays, how we manage, everything is routine. And we've managed and we have a lovely life, you know, together as a family. I'm very, very proud of that, that we've all stood by each other. And she's, is she your only child? She is because, yeah, there would be a 25% risk on every pregnancy. So my husband has a dormant gene and I have a dormant gene. So two faulty genes. So one and so many thousands that I, we would have met each other and created a child with EB. So the risk then thereafter would have been 25% and maybe so I just... It's too big I, a risk. I, it's true. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I genuinely wouldn't like to bring another child into the world with EB. I wouldn't give my daughter back but I wouldn't have been able to manage another child and I just didn't want to go into all of... But again, there's a ma- another... I lost the opportunity to have other children. I've never experienced what it's like to have a child without a disability. You know, there's so much loss in there. But you're, you're not even over the years offered counselling around. I, I think carers should have at least a week, once a week, somewhere to go and offload. You know, I know the care is directed towards the patients and they're the person that's sick. But the carers get sick in another way, you know, mentally, mentally do you, be, Before the pandemic, Liz, did you, do you get any respite? No, no. Mm. No. Claudia wouldn't be the type of child that you could put into a rest a respite place and it wouldn't be like again, she's extremely hard to care for. Like even when Claudia is admitted into hospital, I wouldn't leave her on her own. Like a nurse couldn't just come in and just tend her wounds unless they were skilled in dressing for particular type of wounds that she actually has. You know? It's and, very specialised. And how is she doing at the moment? Yeah, she's good. She had a rough couple of months there. As I said, she was in hospital at Christmas because she'd been plagued with infection. I tried to keep her home as long as I could, but the antibiotics, they just weren't working. So she had to go in and have a lion put in and just to get her back on track. So she was in for a while. I stayed with her however else. We were just delighted to get out and have a happy Christmas together. You know, so, um, yeah, it's, it's okay. Again, you know, there's hospital visits. There's meds to be collected. There's dressings to be collected. There's dressings to be ordered. It's it's a full time job. And it's listen. It's more than a full time job. Uh, it's been a fantastic. Uh, you've given us a great insight into what life can be like, and that's just as you say. You're one uh, carer out of tens of thousands in this yes. country, and you are right. It's 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 hidden. It's hidden because all of that caring goes on behind uh, closed doors. Uh, we, we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us, uh, Liz. Uh, Claudia is blessed to have you as a mother. 
and I know all those kind of those kind of accolades you don't want but she really is blessed to have you as a mother thank you for taking time out to talk thank to you. us today thanks Go- Mill thanks for highlighting it our pleasure. Thanks a million. That is uh, Liz Collins, uh, who is a board member of Deborah Ireland, but uh, more than anything, she's mum to the beautiful Claudia and also happens to be her primary uh, carer. That is tough. That is tough. And all that she and other family carers are looking for is a chance to be on that priority list to get a vaccine against uh, COVID-19. It isn't much they're asking for. 1850 103. I just did a text in, by the way, from our traffic uh, guys to say that lots of people are driving with no lights on and there's a lot of surface water on roads and the spray uh, that it's creating is making it unsafe so they're uh, asking uh, people if you're out driving to make sure that your lights are on uh, to uh, to make sure that you uh, stay safe 1850 333 103 Court today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group Want great advice? You know who to talk to cmig.ie and some of your uh, texts coming into uh, the programme. Mary says, hi Patricia, I was listening to Liz, the mum you were just speaking to and uh, full-time carer and it made me realise that I'm given out about having teenagers and young college students around the house having to do school and college online. I have no problems listening to Liz uh, this morning. No more moaning from me. Well done Liz and all you do for your daughter. And that's from uh, Mary. Thank you for that. Uh, Yeah, and it's that, isn't it? known as the butterfly syndrome, that EB. I mean, I, I can't even attempt to pronounce the proper name for it. I know it's just shortened to uh, EB. But I'm sure it's called butter, butterfly uh, syndrome. And I know anytime I've seen anything on TV about it, it's just horrific condition. It really is. And the care and attention that you have to give to somebody with it. And uh, Liz is incredible. And, and she, along with other full-time carers, you know, they don't look for much. They re- they really don't. But I, I do think she nailed it when she spoke about the hidden problem of it because that caring, and there would be a number of carers listening to this programme who are almost prisoners inside in their own homes, not just to do with COVID, but that's the way they live their lives all the time uh, because they're full-time caring for a loved one, be it a child or a, a parent. Uh, so, well done on to Liz. I think she put forward the plight of carers so very very well uh, on the programme today and Pat says I hope that people will stop moaning and groaning about everything having listened to that fantastic woman Liz. Uh, may God uh, bless her. Okay and then there's other texts in that came in I have to say before Liz was on to the programme but Micah says Patricia I just heard some of your interview with Bishop William Crean. My thoughts are after hearing your chat with him how down to earth and sensible and spiritual he sounds. I also want to see what others think of the way schools are to reopen gradually that we're hearing about which I completely agree with but my question is how come the sixth class students are not even getting a mention in the planning? They're in a transition programme between primary school and uh, secondary school. Surely they should be in a priority group. They also need preparation time for the Sacrament of Confirmation uh, and by the way, I'm not a parent, says uh, Michael, but I'm just thinking of the sixth class students. And the focus has gone on the Leaving Cert students for obvious reasons, because it's their exams. And then the other focus they're putting on is the junior infants and senior infants. And the reason that they're putting a focus on them is they say that that young age group, the four, five, six year olds, that remote learning doesn't work for them. But I think, Michael, I think you've got a valid point. I think sixth class can be a tough, tough, cla- tough year because it's like it's almost leaving the childhood behind and then 
heading into the big the big schools, the big secondary schools. And if you're coming from like a smaller rural school, a small country school, heading into town, into the bigger school, it can be quite a daunting, daunting time for many. And there is preparation needed for it. So I think you make a valid point, uh, Michael. We'll wait and see. Monday, we're going to be told what this living with COVID is going to look like. And that's when we'll have further detail on how they are going to reopen the uh, schools. And when we were speaking with uh, Bishop uh, Crane, we brought him on to speak about communions and confirmations because he'd, he'd asked parents to hold off buying any of the outfits because he doesn't want people wasting money and then the outfits don't fit. But he's still hopeful that communions and confirmations uh, will go ahead this year. But he reckons it's going to be a little bit like last year. There'll be smaller, more intimate ceremonies. Uh, and says, don't talk to me about First Holy Communion and confirmations. Parents and families just want an excuse to hold a big party. What caused a surge in cases last October, according to Anne, was family gatherings and large parties and many of them were as a result of communions and confirmations. Are you mad? No events like this should be happening until all of the population is vaccinated. That's from Anne. And Bishop Crane also made the point that uh, the other reason that he says there will be a delay on the communities and confirmations is because of the preparation that needs to take place for the sacraments and he says that's going to have to be done face to face when the children are back in class. Well a listener is saying surely teachers are teach are supposed to be teaching children online so why can't they pre- be preparing the communion class, the second class and the sixth class? Why can't they be preparing them online as well? Children will once again be disappointed says this uh, listener um, hi, uh, this is Liz texting. Listening to your programme this morning, I can relate to the frustration of the people who have been following all of the guidelines all along and now all we're hearing is that the level five restrictions will go on even longer. To see that America have vaccinated over 40 million people already and we are not even able to get a mere five million vaccinated and even some third world countries are ahead on uh, vaccinations. It is just disheartening. Not to mention the backlog of all the health care procedures that will go on well beyond this year and the next. I don't blame people for drowning in depression at this time. I think that mental health must, n- must now be our top priority. Walking around in circles of 5k every day of your life is simply not good for anyone. And then someone else, another, a different Liz says, uh, softly, softly after a year doesn't work unless a very strong clampdown is implemented we're all doomed we can't organise a you know what in a brewery according to uh, Liz who is not a happy camper Hi Patricia since before Christmas I'm hearing about the vaccine rollout and I'm waiting patiently but nothing appears to be happening I'm post open heart surgery twice I live with COPD I'm aged 68 and the vaccine would give me a little bit of freedom but it's like watching paint dry, waiting and waiting for a vaccine. Vulnerable categories were to be assessed for priority, but again, all talk because nothing has happened so far at least, and that's from a Kerry uh, listener. And they are looking at vulnerable uh, categories at the moment, and I think it's Wednesday of next week that the committee that decide on immunisation is going to report, and they're going to look at people with underlying health conditions. And to the Kerry listener, I feel sure you'll fall into the category of underlying 
health conditions if you've had two open heart surgeries and you live with that COPD so uh, and I know it's frustrating having to wait but hang in there I think and I'm fingers crossed that there will be some good news next week for people with underlying health conditions and also for family carers like Liz who we just spoke to because I know the Taoiseach this week uh, in the doll he was challenged on it and he said the carers won't be left behind along with people with underlying health conditions so hopefully hopefully there will be some good news uh, next week and Sheila says Patricia the last few evenings the ice cream van has been coming into our estates surely that's not an essential uh, service says uh, Sheila <laughs> somebody trying to make make money but uh, yeah I've, I've no way of knowing how they're getting around with doing that maybe it's well food you're allowed to serve food yeah I don't know I, I don't know I haven't heard the ice cream van now that you've mentioned it Sheila I guarantee you tonight I'll hear the ice cream van uh, come into my estate let's uh, wait and see and just on flights when we spoke about flights earlier on with Dermot Jewell Texas says Patricia I booked flights for two of us booked with Aer Lingus last May it was cancelled I was sent a voucher which I accepted at the time can I change that now and get my money back the voucher is valid for five years but I prefer to have my money back now you're going need to get on to Aer Lingus but I have a funny feeling you won't be able to get your money back on that. I know that Ryanair came out and said to anyone that had a voucher but their vouchers were up after nine months and uh, he, uh, Michael O'Leary came out on that famous radio interview that he did a couple of weeks ago saying people could have their money back. That's not to say that people got their money back but he said people could change their minds. But I'm sure I read somewhere that anyone who signed up for a voucher because the vouchers are valid for five years I'm nearly sure I'll have to double check it when I, when I go off air uh, this afternoon but I'm nearly sure I read something to say that once you've accepted a voucher and a voucher that's valid for five years then you have to stick with that voucher. But what I would say nothing nothing ventured nothing gained uh, give get on to Aer Lingus even if you send them a tweet if you're on Twitter I always think a great way to get through to these companies is to put the question up on uh, Twitter uh, because they, they don't like to see they always like to be seen to be in particularly if you have a complaint they hate to see complaints go up on Twitter that everybody else can see and they normally respond f- fairly quickly but I would send an email get on to them and just ask you You may you may be lucky but as I say I do think I read somewhere that there's some consumer legislation that says no that once you've agreed because you agreed to the voucher because uh, the voucher came with was it an extra 10% or 20% they gave to encourage people to take the vouchers I have to say at the time so uh, just get on to them and, and let us know by the way how you get on and Heidi says Patricia I see that NatWest is pulling Ulster Bank out of the Republic Ireland after a pre-tax loss of 351 million euro more loss of competition branches will be closed over a period of time there will be job losses Patricia the government should be pushing for more competition in all sectors not let these banks and businesses go from uh, Ireland why are they sitting on their hands says uh, Heidi because we need as much competition as uh, possible thank you for that and thank you to Eddie from Mahan because I was not aware of this but Eddie said Patricia just to let you know that there was a gentleman called Jerry Walsh from Newmarket involved in the space module that landed on Mars last night. His father's name is Joe and they're from Bedford Cross in Newmarket. That's all I know about them, says Eddie from Mahan. 
Anybody in the Newmarket area can confirm that, that Jerry Walsh, his dad is Joe from Bedford Cross in Newmarket and were part of what was amazing to see and there was great excitement over in uh, NASA and there was claps and cheers erupting all over the place. It was the Na- it's NASA's mission for signs of ancient life on uh, Mars and it uh, landed just before 1pm 9 o'clock, wasn't it? 9 o'clock our time. It was uh, 1pm local time in the estates and claps and cheers erupted from NASA's control room in California's news of the safe landing uh, reached uh, Earth. But there you go. There is, according to Eddie from Mahan, one of our own was involved in that. Well done to uh, Jerry Walsh from Newmarket. 1850 By the way, we'll open the text and the WhatsApps now for Ken's Pure Cork quiz. If you'd like to take part, we'll play our final round of playing it and then the, it reverts to Ken breakfast shows where he'll continue with this competition from next Monday. So today is our final day. If you would like to play Ken's Pure Cork Quiz on this programme, you need to WhatsApp or text your name and address, please. And then after 12 o'clock, we will select one of the people who enter. You'll join me on air. I'll ask you three questions all about Cork. And if you get all three right, you'll be winning cash, €103. Euro, because we are desperately trying to give away thousands of euro with Ken's Pure Cork quiz. Answer the questions to win the cash only on C103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, based on his number one podcast, The Wellness Hour with Pear, comedian Pat Short is bringing his first visual production stream, which will be available tomorrow, I'm told for 24 hours uh, only. Uh, Pat Short along with his daughter Faye who co-wrote the show both uh, joined me on the programme this morning. Good morning to you folks. Morning. Uh, You're very welcome. Now this is based on the local radio presenter Pa and the Wellness Hour but the show Pat has moved to a TV format with your presenter Sheila. Uh, Is that the genesis of it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean it it came about through from the podcast and then I suppose the start of the pandemic Faye was on her way to, to London or uh, college wherever she, finished, wherever she was off to yeah she's <laughs> here <laughs> and uh, of course she ended up at home um, so we started kind of putting our ideas together and uh, the podcast had already been kind of there and done and I thought well, wouldn't it be great to bring uh, another character in that will be his roving reporter and uh, the madness of this young character Sheila de Burkini Corbican which is Faye plays and uh, that's kind of how it came about and I think then Comic Relief asked me was to the do first a guest and the yeah, and, and Sheila whenever I see the clip oh, you what, your surname is what? In a, she- <laughs> Sheila de Burkini Corbican what? what? It's, it's very easy to say really you just have to learn it off a million times yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see you have so many Patricia so many um, TV presenters that have Irish names and everything now we thought we'd go one step further and give her a double barrel Irish yeah, name yeah and actually listen as it stands some of them have surnames that I, I can't pronounce either so listen yeah. it's it's just I, I, I listen back a couple of times I, just, I can't work out what she's saying I know, it's brilliant it's, br- it's br- well. it, it, it really is brilliant and Faye have you worked with your dad before? Um, I suppose I've been out in sets with him and I, oh yeah, we worked together on Kilna Scully years ago, but oh, sure, years I was ago, only yeah. six or eight, Dad, wasn't I? Anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I can, you can count that, but this is the first 
um, thing we've done since I have graduated drama school, which is a huge thing, really. Um, that that this is the main thing, yeah. And as you say, you have graduated from drama school. Is it act? Is it is it comedy work? Is where you see yourself, or is it more serious roles? To be honest, I would love to do both. I'm I'm open to anything. I'm I, I do specialize in comedy. I suppose that would be my um my stronger talent. But I definitely love straight roles as well. Um, yeah. So, so, so this the the show that's streaming tomorrow. So it looks like a television set. It looks like is is yeah yeah. It's like live in the studio, basically. It's like RTE, you know, kind of Mora Mora and Dahi on today. Mora and Dahi. <laughs> <laughs> in a nutshell, the afternoon show, the six o'clock show, all all of them. <laughs> all right, and then you've got various characters dropping in and out. We do. So I, I'm uh, myself and Pat are the. Uh, reporters and then uh, Dad plays a lot of the characters that I go out and interview, you know, out of the studio. So you meet all of the, the mad characters um, that I, I'm lucky enough to get to interview. <laughs> like Dr. Clinton O'Brien who thinks we should all be doing procedures on ourselves. And, uh, yeah, that's... He thinks if you get a slap of a hurley it's better than any anaesthetic. It costs you nothing and keeps the AME free. So she has to interview this little <laughs> And then there's an agony aunt. There's dear, dear Sheila. Yeah, dear Sheila section. So Pa would know a lot of the, the locals in the community. So uh, he'd kind of give away their names before they've even written in the letter. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> the poor people writing in have no, uh, there's no secrets in that, in that little no. village anyway. <laughs> that community. <laughs> yeah. And then the acoustic corner. Oh, yeah. Well, the acoustic corner, I suppose I, I sing a few songs. I'd be known for the breakfast roll, I suppose, Patricia. You would indeed. You would be, uh, <laughs> So, um, yeah, so there's various different songs I would have done in shows down through the years. We needed a few of them. And, and there's one in particular that was never recorded. He's on that show uh, that night um, as well. So we won't give away too much of it. No. no, 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 don't. And there's a bit of culture with the arts review. There's a very serious there play. Is. Isn't there yeah, a very <laughs> serious play. And we take our reporting on the play very seriously, Pa, don't we? Yeah, we do, we do. And uh, the, the Pa's blown away by the, the performance. And I'm not. <laughs> and listen, it's it's is it just for twenty four hours? It's been streamed. Yeah, yeah. We, the, the show. We were very lucky, and we have to mention that the, 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 this show was funded by the the, the Arts Council, um, the Department of Arts and Culture, who were very yeah. very good to us. And you know, as, as a lot of people would know, Patricia, our our industry is decimated mm. um, since the pandemic started. So this was a great way they. they injective uh, funds into the industry before Christmas and it enabled us to employ 22 people to do the shoot with it. So Brilliant. Um, yeah. we got it out over Christmas for a bit but we had done the Seven Fae had done um, New Year's Eve show and the two characters Pan and Sheila and that and they got a massive reaction and we didn't realise we were going to do it until after it was done and uh, loads of people went online to see the show and it was, it was already down at that stage so we were inundated with emails as to where people could see it and everything. so we decided to put it out uh, one more time for 24 hours that's where, why it's happening again tomorrow mm. night OK and people can buy tickets and you buy one ticket and everyone in the household then gets to watch it Absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and where do people get tickets from? Uh, Patshort.com is the easiest way it's a, it's a company called Dice TV who stream it based out of London but this, uh, the easiest way we said of doing it is just go to patchart.com and hit the link or the image there and it'll bring you straight to the box office. And it's the price yeah. of the sum of 12 euro. Yes. yes. Yeah. You're, not, you're not asking for much, I have, I have to say. <laughs> have you any idea how, how well the tickets have gone? 
Thank you very well. I think they've gone very well so far. Good. They were, they were launched yeah. last Friday, was it, Faye, I think? Yeah. It was last Friday, yeah. And to be honest, we had so many people asking us in advance when it was going up. So we kind of knew it was going to do well anyways, thank God. Because after the New Year's Eve sketch, it went very well. So we yeah. were kind of, we were annoyed that it was down so soon. But sure, this is the chance now to get it. And is this, is there a possibility that when life does return to normal, and it will return to normal, and your yeah. industry will come back and it'll come yeah. back with a vengeance, could you travel with this show? Could you take I, it out and do it live? Yeah, I think Definitely. that's a that's certainly in, in the ether for myself and Faye. Um, we're planning a tour for early next year and part of that is, is that bringing this, this into a stage presence and it'd be great fun to do it. Yeah. Now that will be amazing to see and, and nerve-wracking, Faye, for you. I mean, your dad's an old hand at it. But <laughs> he no, is, he yeah. is, but I, I wouldn't be long giving him a run at it. That's, uh, <laughs> and Camille, how has lockdown been for both of you, Pat? It's great. I mean, look, it's it's tough for lots of different reasons, but it, we've been busy working away with Seth and Faye, and that keeps you kind of focused and keeps you going. So uh, it, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of running from one day into the next. I, I suppose it's a bit like the Leaving Search. If you had a bit of uh, an idea as to when it's all going to start, finish and end, uh, you'd, be, you'd be much happier. But um, I think, you know, if the more vaccines are getting out there or whatever it is to shake this thing off, the sooner we get back to normal, it'll be great. But it's look, we're in a very fortunate situation, Patricia, that we're working with Seth and Faye and we're healthy and uh, all the family are healthy and that's what counts. Yeah, and yeah. Faye, Faye, you're back home then with the folks. I am, so that's a bit mad, really, having been living away <laughs> lots, for the last A lot cheaper, years. Patricia, I can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not paying rent, so do you know what? It's not the worst thing. I can't really... She's not shopping either. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be complaining, can I? Is she eating you out of house and home, Pat? Well, she's well <laughs> be careful there, Pat. Be There's careful. a few more there like her as well. Is there? Is there? Okay, all right. You all sound like you're getting on well, which is it, which we is are. the main thing. Yeah, like, everybody yeah. gets their moments, and it's just move away from each other when you get your moments. <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, uh, looking forward to seeing the show tomorrow it is on patshort.com uh, to get your tickets and it's the wellness hour with Pa and Sheila a uh, pleasure as always to talk thank to you, you. both thank stay you. safe thanks a million Cheers, thanks a million bye bye uh, Pat Short and his equally talented daughter Faye if you want a little bit of a giggle over the weekend I suggest that you download or, or get a ticket so that you'll be able to download the, the wellness hour with Pa and uh, Sheila patshort.com is where you go for your tickets you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed now, before I go to some of your comments, I want to go to the phone lines because Cathy has contacted us from Beachfield Estate in Formoy. Uh, good afternoon to you, Cathy. Good afternoon. And Cathy, you want to put a shout out to people to please be careful when they're p- parking their cars and leaving their cars for a, pe- a period of time to be aware of where they're parking their cars. Um, yes. Um, Tell us why. Well, I'll tell you, um, a few years ago, I went to the trouble and expense of having a driveway put in so that I could uh, bring my car, and I can fit a few cars in there, actually. Um, And occasionally, I get locked in or locked out, or should I say blocked in or blocked out. Now, usually, it's only temporary, but yes, I have been locked out for a Overnight at one stage, I had to park in a different area. But anyway, I approached um, one of the local councillors during the local elections there. 
when was that last year? And yeah. um, I asked them to know would it be possible just to get the double yellow lines um, so that people wouldn't block the driver, well, block it for any length of time. Yeah. I have no problem with a neighbour being stuck parking there for a little while. Um, and he said, no, sorry. He looked into it and he said, sorry, no, it can't be done. So um, then a few months ago, I got locked out and um, <laughs> I decided I'd ring the council myself and I got on to the my council and they said, no, sorry, you were into the wrong place. It is Mano you should be talking to. So I said, can you give me a number? And he said, yes. So I rang Mallow. And uh, they said, no, you're on to the wrong place. It's for my you should be talking to. Oh, so I said, well, I've been on there. Maybe it's a different number. So uh, can you give me the correct number? So she said, yes. And I rang the correct number and I spoke to a very nice lady. And I told her my problem. And she said that she would speak to the engineer about it. And she would let me know, and she got back to me, and she said, "Sorry, no, can't be done." Could you? Would you be allowed to put up a sign saying "No parking here, day or night"? Now I've been told, Patricia, that it's not worth the the, the paper oh, I... or the timber or whatever it's written on. That people don't take any, don't take a blind no, bit of notice. Yeah. Now, whatever what? about being locked out? Because at least, as frustrating as that is, you can park up and go into your house. But have you ever had an occasion where you've been locked in? I have quite recently, and um, I wasn't even sure who owned the car um, at the time, and it was it was actually a, quite a nice neighbour of mine who didn't think she'd be away so long and um, yes, she locked me in and I was late for an appointment because of... Now, I should mention that I'm quite old. <laughs> I'm 75 years old. At 75 is not old today, no, don't be saying well, that. No, but I also have a health problem. I'm in dialysis three days a week and um, I... Uh, yes, there are times when I need to get out in my car and need to get back in in it. Um, and I just thought, I've seen it done in places where they have the double yellow lines outside um, driveways. Yeah, I've I've seen it as well. I'm just wondering, because it's a housing estate, is that the reason why the council... We, now, we will get onto the council on your behalf and just try to find out why, particularly when you have that kind of a problem. I mean, the fact that you've mentioned you're on dialysis and we've been speaking, funny enough, in the last couple of weeks with a couple of people on dialysis. Uh, you have to go up to the hospital. You have to drive to CUH. Is it three times a week to go on dialysis? Now, I have driven there myself, yes, but more, uh, the, the uh, HSC actually provide a taxi service for us. Okay. All right. But but it's, it's just the very, uh, the very thought of being trapped in your house, though, if you needed to get out for any kind of an emergency, not even for an emergency, even just to want to pop to the shops or, you know, to do yeah. to do anything. It's, it's just... It's, and when, when, have you confronted any of the people who parked the cars? Well, as I said, um, you know, there, there, actually there was one... Um, one night going back before I got the kidney failure and I'd been out actually playing cards and when I got back at whatever, I don't know, 10 o'clock, half 10, um, there was a car right across my driveway and I couldn't get in and I rang the guardie 
Yeah. Um, it was a Dublin registration, I think. And um, they more or less told me, sorry, we can do nothing about it. Um, that at best we couldn't uh, check out who it's registered to. But other than that, they could do nothing. And I was saying, like, is there not a, a service here where a car can be towed away for... For illegal parking. For illegal parking. And that's where I got the idea for the yellow lines, at yeah. least. If there was yellow lines down, it would then be deemed uh, illegal. Yeah, well, as I say, I'll get John Paul to get on to the council. And but I have a funny feeling they're probably going to come back and say because it's in a housing estate that that there'll be some bylaw or some reason. But let's see if we can find out what it is. But when you confront, and I don't know if you have confronted people to, to say, Cathy, you blocked me out or you blocked me into my house. Are people very embarrassed and apologetic? Um, well, more often than not, no, they're quite close and, and quite nice neighbours and they were only planning on staying a few minutes and they're there to shift the car. But occasionally, yes, they just forgot that I <laughs> might need to get out and went away and forgot to come back. And is there a problem with lack of parking in that estate? Is there too many cars for the parking spaces? <laughs> Well, you know yourself, uh, Patricia, nearly every house now has one, if not two, two cars. cars. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, but you yeah. never block, you surely, and and your driveway, it's very clear to see that this is a driveway with cars going in and going out. You'd want to be blind in one eye <laughs> and the other. You shouldn't be driving, <laughs> so you shouldn't be driving, a, yeah. It's All quite right, a listen, large gap. Listen, yeah. we'll, we'll send an email off to, to, the, to, to the council, um, but in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for highlighting it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Uh, Bye-bye. Cathy in Beachfield Estate. If you know Cathy's house, please, please, please stop parking in front of her driveway. Okay. Some of your thoughts that have been coming in throughout the morning to us. Hi, Patricia. I agree with a message that was sent in to you earlier about last year's Leaving Cert students. It looks like these are the students that have been totally forgotten about. They are stuck at home and have been now stuck at home for a long time. It's coming up to a year. A lot of them haven't seen anybody outside their immediate family for weeks. Students who live near a town or in a built up area can at least go for a walk and still see people along the way within their 5k. But students who live outside in the countryside, outside the 5k, can go for a walk, yes, but they'll see absolutely nobody on the rural roads. This is very difficult on everyone. I understand why students can't go to school or college at the moment but I think it's a little easier for students who live in a built up area at least they can see other people when they go out and join the programme thank you and thanks um, to no name on that so yeah it looks like last year's the class of 2020 are feeling a little bit like they are the forgotten ones there is a reason says another texter that all children cannot be included in the phased in approach of heading back to school some outside the box thinking is needed here. Why can't the junior infants go in for two days a week? Senior infants go in for the other two days and then all do remote learning on the Friday. Siblings could attend on the same days. Third to sixth class currently seem to be ignored. They're not mentioned at all. These children need schooling and education too. So uh, many also have additional needs. It is simply not good enough. And by the way, the Parents' Council primary section are going to be joining us on the programme on Monday because they're doing a big push 
and a big fight to get primary schools back up and running. And I know they did a survey last week where 90% of parents want children back in the classroom. So any of the parents listening this morning who are quite annoyed and upset that particular classes are not being mentioned, uh, we will deal with this with more detail on uh, Monday. Patricia, I'm sure we... We aren't in level five. Lo- I'm sure we're not in level five lockdown here in Carrigaline. I was out walking the back roads yesterday. I met scaffolding companies, vans and trucks full of scaffolding. A plant hire uh, van from North Cork and also two well-known window companies heading to Crosshaven. And a plant hire company sneaking along the back roads on the quiet, on the what I felt like on the quiet. What's the story with the 5k travel res- restrictions? It's the same old fools obeying all the rules. Um, I'm wondering where our local guards are. No wonder our COVID figures are at the around the 1,000 and they've plateaued every day, says uh, John. Hi Patricia, could you read this out please? If most things are closed and strict level 5 is in place, how then is it safe for teachers to return to school? I know people will immediately think, well, what about nurses, shop workers? Are they not all out working on a daily basis? But, I say, they have proper protective equipment. They have proper PE gear or if they're in shops, they're behind screens. Teachers will be given a mask, but not even one of the better ones. There will be as many as, of, as 30 households in a small room altogether. How is that safe? Up to second class, they don't even wear masks. Is the health of teachers disposable? Thanking you. And I don't know if that's coming in for a teacher or is that coming in from a family who has a teacher in the household or not? Someone else says there's no need for Michal Martin to make a speech. We already know lockdowns won't make a difference. People will do whatever they want. Sinead says, Patricia, I hear what Michal was saying about sixth class students returning to school. But or, uh, Michael, sorry, not Michal. This is Michael, one of our texters, who's saying nobody's talking about sixth class. I heard Michael saying about sixth class students returning to class. But my daughter doesn't want to return in this current environment. She much prefers her remote learning programme as it stands at the moment. Also, they are preparing for confirmation and they're doing it online. Oh, that's interesting to hear. The Bishop, I think, didn't feel that they were preparing at home. But in that, And again, that's, Sinead, that's going to vary from school to school and from teacher to teacher. But in Sinead's case, her daughter is preparing for confirmation and there's somebody who is loving remote learning. And of course, there are children and there are parents who like the remote learning and are, are then there are parents who are nervous about their children going back to school and there's children that are nervous about going back to school as well but no doubt all of that will be dealt with when we start to see the schools uh, reopen and Sean says are we going to send Leaving Cert students in as a tester when it comes to the spread of COVID-19 the age group 18 to 19 year olds COVID is rampant in that age group as it is as a Leaving Cert student myself it's not fair to send us in with vulnerable relatives at home this will cause another surge and we'll be stuck in lockdown again mark my words that is coming from Sean even though Neffert always says that being in school is a safe environment but I think Sean has a point when the schools were back we didn't have the strain, the UK strain, which we know is much more contagious. So we haven't really tested the schools with that strain out in the community. And I think possibly that's where the thinking is to send in a small number and then review it after two weeks. And if there's any surge or any spike, then they'll either go back into remote learning or they certainly won't allow any more of the classes uh, to open. But if that be the case, then Sean is saying, well, what is it? The Leaving Cert students have been used as guinea pigs uh, to see 
will it increase the level of COVID-19 in the schools? Because we didn't have that many outbreaks in the schools. But then when the schools were back from September through to Christmas, we didn't have the UK strain here in this country. So it's a, a very different world when it comes to the virus that we're looking at, certainly out in the community. And a worried pensioner from Cove has contacted us. Good morning, Patricia. Heard a brief mention on the radio this morning that there's going to be a delay in the flow of vaccines next week. Do you know any more about this? We have to make arrangements for a lift to get to the GP, etc. for our shots next week. Would appreciate if you could follow up on this if possible. Are we going to be pushed back again? Thanking you. And as I say, it is signed a worried pensioner from Cove. Okay, and the worried pensioner from Cove is right. The news has been announced by the HSE's chief, Paul Reid, has confirmed that there's going to be 6,000 fewer jabs available next week, which means that they had hoped to give the jabs to 42,000 people over the age of 85. Now and said there's only going to be 36,000, so there will be 6,000 less over 85s getting the vaccine next week. Now, I imagine they're possibly, and I don't know for sure, will they make up that 6,000 the following week? I don't know. But according to the HSE, the vaccination plan for next week, which is February 22nd through to 28, is to administer these 36,000 to the over 85s from 24 from 240 GP practices nationwide. Now, if my memory serves me right, that 240 GP practices nationwide is less than what had initially been announced earlier in the week when they thought they had the extra 6,000. So I take it a number of GP practices will be contacted to say you're not going to get vaccines next week, you'll be getting them the following week. And if that be the case and that is what's happening, it'll be the individual GP practices will then have to contact their patients, the ones they've already contacted to say you're coming in on such and such a day next week. So to the pensioner from Cove, if you don't hear from your GP practice, then I would say make your arrangements, get your lift organised turn up at your GP practice on the day that you've been scheduled to get your jab and please God you'll be in a surgery that isn't seeing less vaccines but certainly there will be at least 6,000 over 85s who certainly will be disappointed next week because I assume at this stage that all of the 42,000 that were earmarked for a jab next week have already been contacted because GP services are working flat out organising this. So I'm assuming that they've already been been contacted. But it also is possible that some of the jabs might be taken from the centres that are going to be up and running. But no, they, the, the appointments have also been sent out for there. So I simply don't know. I don't know how they're di- di- divvying it up. I don't know how they're going to pick the 6,000 jabs that are not going to be given out. I don't know how how it's going to be done, but I'm assuming if you have an appointment and you don't hear from your GP, then you're not one of the ones that is going to be knocked off the list for next week. But you are right. There are 6,000 over 65s who will be disappointed next week. But I'm assuming if they haven't already been contacted, they'll be contacted this week this week to tell them not to come in uh, next week. I've just been told that the road between the waterworks and the soccer pitch in Carrigaline should be avoided due to flooding. Some motorists are attempting to drive that road but then have to turn back because some of the road is impassable and please don't attempt to drive through flood water like that because the car will get stuck and you can be into all kinds of problems both for yourself and for your car. So that's on the between the waterworks and the soccer pitch in Carrigaline and just to confirm because I did mention 
mentioned this before news at 12 and then as the news came on we got the confirmation that the park road in Mallow has been closed due to flooding and one final text here there is no reason that all children cannot be included in the phased reopening approach some outside the box thinking is what is needed here says this texter why can't the junior infants go in on a split week and then allow different classes in let everybody back but let them all back in a staggered way we're going to have to win somebody else is saying when is the confirmation going to be for the schools reopening the confirmation won't be made I think until Monday we're going to have to wait until uh, Monday for the actual uh, confirmation of it and then a couple of people reacting to Cathy who spoke to us about people parking outside her house and she's getting blocked out of the driveway into her house and also blocked in and I think the blocked in is much more of a worry Tess says tell the lady to get the car clampers to clamp the car I don't know if you can actually do that I know John Paul is getting on to the council to see if we can help her out in any way and also I'm just interested in hearing from the council when she was on to them about could they not just put down two little yellow lines outside her house to stop people parking she was led to believe that they, they can't do that and I'm wondering is that to do with some kind of a bylaw that because it is in a, it is in an estate a housing estate and is, for that reason are you not allowed to put yellow lines outside somebody's house but I just I really can't understand how somebody would actually do that I mean you park your car and if you park in a built up area you'll clearly see that this is a driveway into somebody's house and when she gets blocked in you can clearly see that this car is parked there Mary says the lady should have a wheelchair permit and the council should designate the space outside her house as a wheelchair parking area but she doesn't have she doesn't have a wheelchair per- per- permit she is She's very, very mobile. She's on kidney dialysis, but a kidney, a kidney dialysis patient doesn't entitle you to a wheelchair pass. So that that's not going to uh, work for her. Uh, I give the lady been... Um, I would Patty McCroom says I've got some suggestions for Cathy who's getting locked into her house. Put a cone at the gate uh, is one suggestion. But then the, someone could just pick up the cone. Pat's second suggestion is get a friend to paint two yellow lines. Oh, I don't know if you can, you can just do that yourself. Or three, put a sign on the gate saying beware of nails on the ground. Because <laughs> I did say, could you put a sign up saying no parking day or night? But she said she looked into that and she was told she will be wasting her time and her money uh, doing that because people seem to completely ignore it. Which with people just don't seem to pay any heat, but I don't know if you can just yourself go and paint yellow lines outside your house. I I don't know if that's uh, is that illegal. I'm sure that would be illegal to do that. Someone else says the council could put a white line uh, on the road by outside her house, just at her curb. That would help. I had it done, but that was in London, and it stopped people parking in front of my driver. Well, that's the double yellow lines, uh, Dick. That uh, she's asked for, and the council have refused her. Anyways, I say we're going to get it. We'll get an email. We'll bang an email off to the council and see how we get on. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. The C one zero three Cork Diary with Cork County Council's. Com- Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie. Cork, Camogie and Jigsaw Cork are holding a virtual 5K. It's to raise funds for both organisations. Family and individuals have been asked to jog, to run or to cycle 
five kilometres between Friday the 26th and Sunday the 28th of February. You sign up and support both of the uh, Cork Camogie and Jigsaw. And Jigsaw, by the way, are supporting mental health in young people. You can check out Cork Camogie or Jigsaw on their social media pages or to register for the 5K or simply just to make a donation. And Meals on Wheels in Mallow are reminding people they are available Monday to Friday for deliveries to their regular and to new clients. Your contact is Eleanor on 087 289 And Bera Family, Bera West Family Resource Centre are holding online courses through Zoom on wellbeing. It's on Tuesday mornings, all are free and they're facilitated by experienced support workers. They also have online sessions on mindfulness and self-care tips for mums on Wednesday mornings. And then on Wednesday evening, there's a session on listening skills for parents and uh, carers. To register for any of these courses, contact Natalie on 086 Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. To celebrate our brand new breakfast show, we're giving away thousands of euro on C103. Whatever it takes. And this is our last day where we're playing Ken's Pure Cork Quiz across all of the day parts from next Monday. It reverts to just being Ken's Pure Cork Quiz because the name is in the uh, title. Okay, we have our final contestant and that is Mary Ann Coughlin who is in beautiful Garrettstown. Good afternoon to you, Mary Ann. Hello, Patricia. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Is it, you. I'm very well. Is it raining in Garrettstown? Oh, God, it is all morning long. <laughs> you know. Horrible, isn't it? Oh, it is, it is. But look, you know. But when the sun is shining, you're blessed to live in oh, Garrettstown. Oh, I know. It's a, it's a different place altogether, you know, uh, when when everything is bright. When the sun is shining. And we got mm. we had some nice days this week, so we won't complain too much. I know, I know. Thank God, you oh. know. It could be worse. We've got three questions for you. Are you ready to go? Okay, then. Okay. Are you ready for it? Three, two, one. The class ticket. How many arches on the bridge in Glanworth? Ten or thirteen? Thirteen. The Cork Jazz Festival normally takes place on what bank holiday weekend? The October bank holiday. In what ocean is the Fastnet Rock? Atlantic Ocean. It is indeed, and you have just won yourself 103 euro. Oh, thank you very uh, much. Well done, Marianne. Oh, I'm so delighted to have a winner because you're my last winner. So well done and congratulations. Thank, thanks, thanks a million. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hope the sun bye-bye. starts to shine in Garrettstown and you can get out and about. But Marianne Coughlin, Garrettstown, our final winner for me. But you've got more opportunities to win today. Two more opportunities. Uh, Mark is in for Nick, so he'll play around this afternoon. And then Martina will play the final round of the day and the week today. And then, as I say, on Monday morning, Ken gets to play Ken's Pure Cork Quiz. He'll do it every day on our brand new breakfast show, 20 past seven and at 20 past eight. Ken's Pure Cork Quiz. Answer the questions to win the cash only on C103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, uh, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. How are you today? Okay, news of the world and Willie's Wonderland. Okay, we're going to start with um, a quick trailer. This is from News of the World. All together, you have a story. Story. Captain, why are you doing this? Little girl is lost. I'm returning her to her surviving family. Well, you can certainly handle a horse. Horse. That's right. Captain. Make no mistake. Captain. Roads closed. Is that the law? It is now. How much you offer? She's not for sale. The stories on these pages can't get us home. You can't have her, and I'm taking her home. It's hard for anyway. Ah, uh, this is Tom Hanks, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I love Tom Hanks. And he's great. Oh. As he always is. You know, it's amazing to believe that when he first started his career, people th- said he was a bit bland. I never understood it. I always just thought because, you know, he's not a method actor. He never has. He just turns up and he turns it on when he needs to. And he doesn't need to get into character. He's just, he just acts and he's got the, because he's got the talent to do so. And he can tell so much in his eyes. I mean, he's an extraordinary actor. And he always comes across when you see him being interviewed as a gorgeous guy. Well, everybody seems to like him. Yeah. And why not? He, yeah. is a, he is a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. He's like, you know, America's dad, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And in, and in this, he's trying to rescue, he's trying to get a little girl home. Uh, yeah, this is uh, News of the World and uh, it's a Western and it's set in uh, 1870, just kind of post the Civil War. And uh, he was involved in the Civil War and uh, reached uh, uh, captain. And so he is Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd. And uh, basically what he does is uh, he, he travels from town to town. Now, at that time in the 1870, there was a huge amount of immigration uh, to the States. And a lot of people uh, couldn't read or write. And so basically what he is, he is a newsman. So what he does is he travels from town to town with newspapers that he picks up along the way and basically gathers people together and tells them the news. 
He's like an 1870s Barry Manny. <laughs> Only, uh, only a little bit more grizzled, uh, and uh, and so that's what he does. And I mean, just telling him what what's going on locally or the world, or just filling them in on just yes, exactly national well, news. Exactly, yeah, oh. and uh, and that's what he does, and that's what. He, and then he'll have a little tin can, and he'll make his living by doing that. Uh, but he was also a preacher, so he has a kind of very articulate way of kind of selling the news to the people, and uh, and that's how he makes his living. Whilst he's travelling from the town to town, he finds this little blonde girl, and um, who um, as a child was taken by the Kiowa people and so was brought up as a Native American. Uh, she, he then thinks, well, what do I do with her? So he brings her to the local town and says to the authorities, here, take her. And they go, we, don't, we, we can't do anything with her. So they find out that uh, subsequently that in fact she comes from a German background and they hear that uh, about 500 miles away in a town uh, that far away that uh, one of her aunts is still alive because not only are her natural parents dead but also her Kiowa parents have also been killed as well so she's basically on her own she's basically orphaned uh, orphaned exactly yeah. so he decides to take her there so the story is, and the film is about this journey that they take as they try and he tries to bring her to his um her, her, her aunt. Now, th- there's been some criticism about the film, and mostly that it's a bit slow moving, but I, I didn't see that and I didn't feel that at all because I just, I kind of just wallowed in how beautiful it was because, like, the scenery is, is part it's of It's like this through film. the wilderness. It's, it's, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And you know, there are pockets of violence in the film because it's a violent world at, at a violent time. And, um, and there are exciting moments as well. And Paul Greengrass here, the director, is a terrific director to build up tension rather than kind of build up annoyance. Like, I felt that with, with Greenland. It annoyed me rather than kind of fill me with tension and you do feel it you know when you watch it so there are pockets of uh, very exciting parts but in between there are moments where it is very slow but it's beautiful to look at and you're watching two terrific actors uh, uh, on screen you go, you've got Tom Hanks and this beautiful little girl called uh, Helena Zengel She's and obviously actress. it's the relationship between the two of them which initially as you can imagine is kind of is not great because she believes she's been kidnapped she wants to go back to her Kiowa people and he on the other hand has to bring her to her, her natural born aunt uh, and it's amazing to think that because it's kind of so slow and beautiful but beautiful to look at and all the time even when it is slow you know you're enjoying what you're seeing you're enjoying the the performances, you're enjoying the script, you're enjoying the acting, you're enjoying the cinematography and uh, you know it's, it's directed by uh, Paul Greengrass who directed The Bourne Identity which if you mm. remember kind of changed the way mm. um, kind of action movies uh, became because of course it was all cut, 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 cut uh, this is just completely the opposite which just shows what a very very good uh, director he is. I thought it was beautiful, I thought it was wonderful if you like a western, if you like Tom Hanks, if you, if you enjoy it's very, you know if you kind of ask me what it's kind of similar to, I'd say it's kind of like you know a bit of true grit and maybe you know John Ford's The Searches and it is that good I mean I thought it was absolutely terrific and I was entertained by it from start to finish I thought it was wonderful and there's nothing like a good cowboy movie exactly yeah and it's just under two hours as well so it isn't it isn't too long Um, where's it been streamed or how can Uh, what was interesting it was a Warner Brothers film but uh, they obviously tried to get it to the cinemas they couldn't so uh, Netflix have taken it over so you can see it on Netflix Netflix it's news of the world so mark that out of 10 you know it's not a 10 out of 10 film but I was thinking well, well well, what can I do? I mean, I'm, you know, normally what I do is I give a film 10 and then I work back yeah. because there's always something I don't like or dislike. I couldn't find anything Whoa, I disliked. Oh, way to From go. From start to finish, it's, think that's it's our, Is that our first of 2021? I think it is. It's 10 it out is. of 10. Okay, it is. well done. And that's uh, Tom uh, Hanks. That's certainly one for the weekend. Now, Willie's Adventure is described as an action comedy horror. And it's all that. Yeah, it's just one of the strangest films I've ever seen, I must say. You is know. It, it? It is Willie's, not Wally's. That's no, Willie's. Um, 
Yeah, it depends on where you are and what territory you okay. are. Yeah, I think there was uh, there was a problem with uh, the name and the the initial name of Wally's because I think there's a restaurant chain uh, what, somewhere, yeah. and so they decided, well, look, we couldn't really use that, so they've changed it. Um, this stars Nicolas Cage, who is continuing his quest to be in every single film ever made. I think this is his. <laughs> I think this is his hundred and tenth film. And, you know, if you go into IMDb, he's got, like, another ten films in pre-production. So he's just churning them out and churning them out. So basically what it is is that he's a bit of a kind of a drifter, and uh, he's travelling uh, through Texas, and um, basically his car breaks down. He goes to a local garage, and the garage says, look, this is going to cost you about $1,000 to fix it. Uh, it turns out that he doesn't have any cash, which, you know, the, the, he said, look, we only deal in cash. Uh, you can't pay by card because the town doesn't have any internet, which is one of the very few kind of false kind of moments in the films because you don't really believe that anyway so he basically says to Nicolas Cage look I'll tell you what we'll do um, I've got this kind of warehouse and I need it to be cleaned if you clean if you spend all the night cleaning up this warehouse I will let you off with a thousand dollars so um so he agrees. The problem is, is that the warehouse is actually full of these animatronic characters that come alive at night and basically try and kill people. And uh, and so. The and are they scary? They are scary. What's interesting right. is because the film has only got a five million dollar budget, they obviously couldn't CGI them. Uh, they're not real animatronics. They're mostly puppets. And uh, and they are scary because they've all got really kind of mad teeth and stuff. And the film the film is really really quite violent. I mean, what's interesting is that the way in which the blood is kind of um, is transposed on screen in screen because instead of it being red, of course. They're full of kind of oil and grease, and so when you get splattered, it's kind of black, and uh, it's kind of interesting to see it that way. But the problem is, I think it's a bit of a one-trick pony because once the first uh, animatronic is killed, then you get the next, and you get the next. So he's just slaughtering them from the entire movie. Exactly, and that's basically what happens, and that's a shame. But there are moments throughout that where you do um, enjoy what you're watching because it it is quite thrilling at times. I should point out, by the way, that um, uh, Nicolas Cage doesn't say a word throughout the whole film. And I was trying to figure out why. Um, initially, I thought it was because it's a $5 million budget that he go, well, look, I'll be in the film, but I couldn't be bothered learning any lines, so I'm not going to do that. And uh, so I think he was a fan of kind of black and white horror movies, uh, silent black and white horror movies. And so he decided that uh, he would just give it the whole silent treatment. So, I mean, there are times in the film where he had to communicate with people to try and get to where he's going, but they cut all that out of the film so he doesn't say one word <laughs> throughout the whole film, which is very, very odd. I think it's trying to be a cult movie. I think it's setting out to do that. It wallows in how silly it is and how cheap it is. And that is a good thing. And uh, there are those who love it and there are those who hate it. I'm kind of in between. I thought there were some wonderful moments, but I was bored by a lot of it as well. OK, so Mark, Willie's Wonderland out of 10. <laughs> I'll give it a five. Five out of 10. OK, and I can see a couple of people uh, saying that the news of the world, excellent film. So I highly recommend it as well. OK, listen, thank you for that. And uh, you're going to be joining us. You're going to be jumping into the seat at one o'clock because you're, you're in for Nick. Okay, thanks for that and we'll chat again uh, next week. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. In a final wrap-up with some texts in and people responding to Cathy who's getting blocked in by people parking uh, right outside the driver of her house. Patricia, this used to happen to my in-laws uh, years ago. They lived across from a church and people were constantly parking in the gate entrance to their house until one day blocked an ambulance. My husband ran into the church and shouted out the name of the person who was a local. No one's ever parked there again. Oh my God, the embarrassment. Uh, Meg says, what hope have you when people will park across somebody's gateway and clearly sees it is a gateway? Somebody else says, what kind of an idiot will park outside somebody's drive and uh, blocking it? On parking, I live in a council estate and one particular household parks their car right outside the driveway, uh, but they have, uh, they have space in their own 
own way to park two or three cars and they won't and they park in such a way that's actually making it difficult to drive in or out of the estate and I can't say anything to them because of the type of people there's no point talking to them at the North Cork listener and someone else says why can't Cathy park in front of her own driveway well she built a driveway so she could drive in and we've notified the council and if we get an answer back uh, on Monday I'll bring you their response that's where I have to leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing the programme Mark is in for Nick this afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow until Monday 10 o'clock until the Laboratory Messenger. Good afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.